We're going to continue our series entitled Rumble Strip that our pastor Chris started just last week. And one of the things that I wanted to start with today is a quote that he said last week that we're just going to really build upon, which is so, so, so challenging. Sounds simple, sounds good, sounds quotable, sounds pithy. Yes, we can do that. Yes, I need to do that, but so, so hard. And so right here at the beginning, I want to kind of recap last week's message. He jumped into Psalm 139, a psalm of David, and he said a couple of things. He said, he's aware, meaning God. God is aware. God's all-knowing. He sees all things. He knows all things. He understands all things. So he said he's aware. And then he said he's there. God is not a God that's distant. God's not a God that's far off. God's not a God that's unknowable or unattainable. We can pursue him and we can know him. He's aware and he's there. And finally, Chris said he cares. He loves you. And Chris talked about why what Jesus even did for you because he loves you and because he wants to show you that he loves us, which is Jesus dying on the cross and showing the world that, that he wants to know the world, that he gave himself on the cross. So he is aware, he's there, and he cares. Chris made a statement in the middle of that sermon that I've been thinking about this week and I really want us to build on. And here it is, and you'll see it on the screen. When dealing with our thought life, we either repeat the thought or we choose to replace it. So when dealing with our thought life, we either repeat the thought or we choose to replace it. And I remember thinking online when I was listening in last week, I was like, okay, what are the things that I just think about that I just repeat and repeat and repeat? Now, sometimes those things are good, but of course, because of the kind of the context and the challenge of our heart and our brain, we kind of go to the negative things that we think about, the things that are challenging. So when dealing with our thought life, especially the negative things, we either mull over them we repeat them on our, in our head, and it leads us to a bad place, or we choose to replace it. And unfortunately, our thought life can be so, so discouraging. I remember when I was in college, soon after I you know, started following Jesus and really got serious about my faith, I was in college, and I remember a sermon that the pastor preached when I was in college attending this church. I remember him, him saying this, aren't you glad that you really don't know what I'm thinking about? He's like, here I am on a Sunday morning, teaching a lesson, preaching a sermon, and you really don't know what's in the back of my mind. Like our brains are complex, and God has given this ability to sift through our thoughts so that we don't say everything that we actually think. Now, that can be a beautiful thing. That can be a, a way that just shows the creativity of God and the way that he designed us and the way that he made us, and it's super, super hard too because sometimes people don't they don't know what you're thinking. They don't know the, the difficulty that you're going through just in your head, right? And the challenges that we have with just our brain. The, the, the brain is complex and the heart is complex. Even there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says that the heart of a man is like a deep well. Who understands it? Who knows it? That implication there is that only God knows it. The complexity of what's happening in your heart is deep and profound. The complexity of what's happening upstairs above your neck is deep and it's profound. And unfortunately, a typical thought life can be complex. It can be dark. It can be twisted. It can be confused. And even to go even deeper and further into this, it can be entrenched with lies so profound and so seemingly true that we actually believe it. We believe the darkness. We believe the confusion. We, we, we see the twistedness and we don't even know our way out of it. Like we see the lies and we think that they're true. And sometimes you've been dealing with lies in your life so long that you actually do believe 
that they're truth. Our thought life is complex. And I know that you want to get a better handle on it. I know that you want to take steps. Even last week, as Chris shared from Psalm 139, and gave us some incredible reflection questions that can lead to change. Today, I want to share a passage of Scripture in just a few moments that I do believe and that I am confident if you take a step in this area, and if you take a step with this truth, with these two verses in this Scripture that I'm going to give you today, that your life will change. And that your life will change because your thought life will change. It's not just the things that you're thinking about. It's not just so oversimplistic to say it's either negative or positive. No, just because you have a positive thought life doesn't mean that it's going to be a life that paves the way towards honoring God. But these two verses of Scripture that I'm going to share are two verses of Scripture that I believe will pave the way towards not just a good life, a positive life, but one that ultimately honors God. A few mornings ago, Josiah woke up and came downstairs and said, Dad, I had a bad dream. You know that moment when, you know, your, your children say, I had a bad dream? You're like, okay, all right, what's, what's bad going to be? Well, he starts telling me this dream, and I'm like choking on my breakfast. I'm like, really? This is really your, 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 your dream, right? And so this is a heavy one. This is a, a dark one. And as he's telling me this, um, I'm not going to even repeat the dream, right, for the sake of his story and for the sake of all the characters that were involved. But I know you've been there. You've had those dreams. You're like, oh, my goodness. You've had dreams you probably never told anyone because they're so dark, twisted, confused, right? You're like, oh, my gosh, okay, let's just forget about that. And he was discouraged. And he said, Dad, what do I do about this? I was like, well, hey, I'm glad that you asked. I've been working on this sermon, okay? Let's talk. And so I actually said, hey, uh, can, I, can I tell you two verses of the Scripture? And I quoted the verses that we're going to work on today. And I said, hey, you have a choice. You have a choice of what to do with that. That's bad. But, you know, we talked about the brain, how it cleanses itself at night, how, how the brain kind of puts together these pieces of truth and these, even these things that are false and, and makes these stories and this, the complexity of dreams. Tried to explain it to an 11-year-old as best and as brief as I could. And I asked him this one question. I said, is what happened in your dream true? He said, no. I said, well, hey, we either have to, Listen, just in last week, building on it, right? We're building on this. And so I told Josiah, we either have to repeat that thought or we have to replace it. And he said, I can't replace it. I've been thinking about it all morning. I said, well, you, you just came downstairs, so we have a choice. Do you want to talk about that dream more or do you want to go make your mom coffee? He just kind of smiled and said, let's, let's go make mom coffee. I said, you know, I don't make it every day. Sorry, honey, I didn't make coffee before I left really early this morning. Sorry you didn't make your coffee today. But a lot of mornings I make coffee and go serve. I said, hey, let's replace it. Let's go do some good things. Let's go check on your room. Let's go clean it. He's like, that's not a good thought. I'm like, yes, it is. Let's go do that. Let's go make the coffee. And he put a smile on his face. We went over to the coffee. We grabbed a coffee cup, made, made the coffee. In fact, it was so good. Later that day, uh, Rachel said, did Josiah make the cup or did you actually make the cup? I'm like, no, no, no. He made the cup of coffee. And all Josiah did was put a smile on his face and he moved on about his day. I don't know if he's at home right now listening as this is probably being played in our living room, but there's a good chance he hasn't thought about that dream because he has to, what we all have to do with our dreams, and thankfully because of the way our brain cleanses itself, there's not a lot of dreams that we even remember. Like we just move past them. Now, I know that some of the things that you're thinking about and that you're dealing with in life, you're like, I wish it was that easy. I wish it was easy to just wake up and say, whoa, that was a crazy dream. Huh, let's move on about our day. Let's go get some coffee. I know it's not that easy. And I know to move on from the thought life that you're dealing with and that you're challenged with takes time, takes effort, and takes discipline. 
So here are the challenges that I want to give you today. The challenge number one is to be aware of your thoughts. Challenge number one is to be aware of your thoughts. And the reason this is such a challenge is because most of us don't take the time to self-reflect and to actually diagnose what's happening. Challenge number two is to correct your thoughts. Challenge number two, correct your thoughts. Now, we can have a thought, and sometimes we just accept it, right? And we build on it rather than saying, wait, is that right? Is that true? Is that the right thing to do? Or is that wrong? And something you believe about someone else. Do you take the time to, to be aware of that thought and to correct it? A lot of us don't, and so we jump to conclusions. We jump to action. But challenge number three around this is actually to replace it. And that's where I've been thinking about and where we've been going so far this morning is how do we replace it? But before we get there, I think most of us don't give ourselves the opportunity to replace our thought because we actually don't correct it first. And so like I told Josiah, to use that illustration again, I said, Josiah, did that actually happen? No. Was that true? No. It's just a made-up story. So you have to say, that's a lie. It did not happen. Now let's go replace it. But a lot of the things that you're dealing with in your life that we deal with, things that are, are justifiably make us to be angry, sometimes justifiably make us to be upset or envious or jealous, the thoughts that you have in your mind of loneliness, the thoughts that you have of, of, of depression, the thoughts that you have in your mind that are tough to deal with, that aren't easily just slept off. Right? You go to bed one night and say, well, let's just sleep on it and forget about it in the morning. Yeah, many things you can sleep on and wake up. Many other things that you're dealing with right now, you've been dealing with days, weeks, months. And even some of you listening, you can say, I've been dealing with these thoughts for years. How do I actually not just replace them? Because I've been trying to do that, maybe you would say. How do I actually correct them and say, no, 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 that's not true. It's a challenge, but I know that you can do it. The, the two verses I want to share today is found in Philippians chapter 4. But before I read those to you today, let me give you a little context. Because often when you're listening to someone give advice or counsel, or even if you're reading a book or an article, you consider it you know, credibility. You want to know who's the source. Well, it's important to know that the two verses I'm going to read to you today come from a source of a man that was going through a tough time. A man by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul, that was near the end of his life and he knew it. The reason he knew it is because he was imprisoned. This letter, history says by a historian, that this letter was actually not penned by Paul, but it was penned by someone else recording him because he was in a jail cell. He was in a, a jail cell so small that he did not have his parchment papers, that, that there was someone with him, beside him, outside of the jail cell, recording this letter to the city of Philippi. That's why the book is called Philippians. As Paul is writing this brief letter to the church, to, to all those people that believe in the city of Philippi, these, these themes of rejoicing, themes of trust, themes of peace, themes, themes that are very positive in this letter. But what's interesting about the end of, of this letter in Philippians is that it doesn't end so well. He knew that his life was about to end. He knew that he had been um, you know, put in prison for the rest of his life. He was going to be killed very soon for his faith. And so this is coming from a guy who is sitting in a jail cell who knew that his days were short and who knew that he was about to die. And he tells believers outside, and some of you, have, you know stories of folks that have been in jail and their life has been transformed by being imprisoned, right? And that they have turned their life around. Well, this is coming from a guy who 
was wrongly put in prison for his faith and wrongly made accusations against him that he was causing trouble and stirring up riots because of this newfound faith called Christianity. And yet he doesn't write in terms of bitterness and anger and resentment and justifying why he did what he did. All he does is write to people who believe in God and remind them to rejoice. And he reminds them to celebrate. He reminds them to pray. He reminds them to be of peace. And so some of the last words that he penned, though he penned a bulk of the letters in the New Testament written about Jesus, he writes these words in chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received from me or heard in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So at the end of his life, persecuted for his faith, knowing that he was about to be killed and martyred for the faith, he reminds the church, after reminding them to live a life full of peace, after reminding them to live a life that rejoices in their faith, not worries about being ridiculed for their faith, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. And he tells them, whatever is true, think about this. Whatever is noble, think about this. Whatever is right, think about this. Whatever is pure, think about this. Whatever is lovely, think about it. If it's excellent, noble, praiseworthy, think about these things. Now you're like, okay, that sounds good. Easy to replace bad thoughts with good ones, right? No, it's not easy. Especially coming from a credible source like the Apostle Paul, who had every reason to ridicule back or push back or fight back or be defensive. He says, no, 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 no. Christians, listen. If you want to live a life of peace, you must think a certain way. If you want to live a life of peace, you must think a certain way. I'm going to read verse 8 again. And when I read verse 8 again, I want you to soak it up. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what lies are in your head. I don't know the difficulties that you are enduring. I don't know the thoughts that you have when you wake up, when you lie down, or even I was, I was talking to someone a few weeks ago when I just wake up in the middle of the night and these thoughts just pervade my mind and I can't even go back to sleep. Like, how do I deal with that? I'm like, I don't know. I deal with the same thing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your head. I don't know what's happening in your heart. But we have to recognize it. We have to correct it. And we have to replace it. And these two verses tell us what to replace it with. Whatever, listen to these verses, at least verse 8 again. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or worthy of praise, like it's, it's worthy of talking about again, Think about these things. Now, that's a discipline, okay? Because when you and I face struggle, we're going to think about the struggle. When someone has ridiculed you and said something about you, whether true or not true or unkind, you're going to think about that. If you have a personality that sort of has a proclivity to be really, really, really upset when someone doesn't think highly of you or someone's not pleased with you, you just have this tendency to like mull over in your mind, I can't believe I've hurt them, what do I do, what do I say to them, how do I make this wrong right, even if it's impossible to make the wrong right. You're just thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking. It's like this endless 
pit of worry, in this endless pit of anxiety, this endless pit of not being enough. I mean, goodness, only you can fill in the blank with what you think about. It actually requires you to be disciplined, like you're disciplined, like waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, that was a bad dream, but I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to go serve, and I'm going to go give my mom a cup of coffee. Now, again, it's not that simple, right? But as I've, as I've read that verse, I want you to pull out a couple of things, a couple of things that you really, really have to grab a hold onto. The first one that the Apostle Paul said was, whatever is true, Say it out loud wherever you are listening in. Maybe you're in your living room, in your kitchen. Maybe you're listening through the podcast. You're going down the road. Say it out loud, whatever is true. Go ahead. Say it out loud, whatever is true. The reason Paul starts here, because much of, not all, much of the difficulty and the thought life that you and I have is because of our tendency to believe the lies there's some things that even I've gone through recently and I've thought to myself, is that true? Is that really true of me? So you can counsel over, is that really true of me? It's been said, but is that true of me? Things that you've gone through in family, with friends, even in the workplace, things that you've gone through, the things that you have heard or the things that you have assumed, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Like I said, Josiah, is that true? No. Okay. Then it's not worthy, like he says a little bit later in the, in the text, it's not worthy of our time because it's not worthy of admonition. It's not worthy of like, it's not noble, so it's not worthy of our time. It's not excellent. It's not, it's not worthy of praise. So it's not actually worthy of your time. And so you can say this, and I'm going to probably frustrate you to like say this out loud, but I want you to even say it out loud. I am wasting my time. I am wasting my time thinking on that because it's not true. So much mental energy, so much emotional energy, psychological energy goes into lies, dealing with them, trying to either justify them in our mind or wasting our time because we believe it. The Apostle Paul says if it's true, if it's true, focus on the truth. Now, in 2020, not just in like our own personal lives, the truth is hard to find, isn't it? Like, and I'm not just talking about just you, but thinking about with, with media, like what is the truth? Like how do you actually find out what's true? How do you find out what's false? Like, and even for you, and I can tell you this, sometimes you may wrestle over what you believe to be true of yourself. This is where counsel comes in. This is where you have to step outside of yourself, and I hope that you'll do this, either even reaching out to Encounter Church or reaching out to a friend, a family member, to ask someone to help you decipher the truth because finding the truth will set you free. Jesus said this himself. The truth will set you free. What does the opposite do? If the truth sets you free, what does everything that's not true do to you? Exactly. Places you in bondage. And I'm telling you, the truth will set you free and everything else just downright stays. Everything else will cause bondage. False accusations cause bondage. Gossip causes bondage, both for you if you're a part of it and for those that you're speaking of cause bondage. Lies cause bondage. I've been listening to the Proverbs every day, and I listen to a few chapters um, every single day. And today was, I, I, I don't remember the exact chapter, but one of the times where it's quoted in the Scripture, I think it's Proverbs 7, it might be 6. 
doesn't really matter. But one of the passages is the seven lies or the seven sins that God hates. Though there's many things in the Scripture that, that, that detest the heart of God because God loves what is pure, what is right, right? Everything that we've been talking about. And one of the things is a deceitful tongue. Someone that starts a lie or starts a mistruth, right? Those things cause bondage. And even when, because it discourages not only the person that is spoken of, but it discourages the heart of the person that does the talk. And so anything that's not true causes bondage and weight and anxiety and is not pleasing to a God who loves you. Much of your problem and my problem today is our tendency to believe the lies. So you have to work at that. You have to work at actually finding the truth and saying, this is not true of me. So I'm not going to focus on it. You cannot believe the lies that you listen to in your head. You cannot believe some of the lies that you've been dealing with, even in your heart, for a long, long time, some of you. I was just talking to someone last week, and he says, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm like, say that again? And he repeated his struggle. I said, say it again? He repeated his struggle. I said, is that really true? He goes, no. I said, okay then you've acknowledged that that's not true. Why is it weighing you down? It's an incredible conversation after that. Very enlightening, right? As he's like, I don't know why it's weighing me down. Well, I, I said, because you're believing it. No, 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 I don't believe it. I just said it's not true. I was like, no, but you're believing it. Like, we can do that. We can actually believe the lies in our head, even though you would tell someone else, if you told someone else that lie, you would say, no, 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 it's not true. Just like a bad dream. Again, going back to Josiah, a bad dream is like, oh my gosh, that's not true. But we think about it and we think about it and we think about it. The Apostle Paul knew this would cause severe bondage. And he says, whatever is true, think about it. Whatever is worthy of praise, think about it. If it's excellent, think about it. It's a discipline. And every single day you wake up, it's a discipline, not just after your dream, right? Driving down the road, having that thought. In that moment, what do you do with that thought? How do you take it captive? It's a discipline. That's a lie. Speak it out loud. Even if you have to tell yourself, which is why I said earlier, I want you to actually say it out loud. Is it true? And if it's not true, then say it. What I want to do is just for just a moment, because I don't know what you're thinking about. I don't know the lies that you're dealing with. I want to pray. And now this isn't the end of the sermon, okay? Okay, but I want to pray. And the reason I want to pray is because I want you to join me in prayer right now, right here in the middle of this, and I want you to say, God, help me to see your truth. And whatever the lies that you're believing in your mind, I want you to speak those out and speak them out loud. If you don't want to speak them out loud, just speak them in your heart to God. Say, God, this is a lie I'm dealing with. Would you help me? Father, I pray right now for everyone listening as we close our eyes and as we think and as we reflect, God, that you would give us the courage to deal with the thoughts that are in our life that are not true. And Father, I pray that you would speak through the power of your Holy Spirit right now and in this way to every single person person. As the Apostle Paul said, put it into practice. God, today, help us to start putting into practice truth, not lies. Help us to put into practice things that are pure. Help us to put into practice things that are admirable. And God, help us in every single moment to take the thoughts that do not belong and throw them out. For every man, for every woman, every student, 
every teenager, everyone listening. God, would you meet us where we are? Help us to see your truth. And Father, I pray that the truth, your truth, would set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. There are three words I want to repeat. One I just did, but two more that I want to give you and I want you to think of this week. And I want you to write these down if you have the opportunity to write these down. If not, just etch them in your mind and etch them in your heart. Here they are. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, and whatever is admirable. Inside this text in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, these three words can set you free. True, pure, and admirable. True, fight for the truth. Find out what it is. Do not believe the lies and resist against anything that you, so, that you know and that you see that is not true. The second one is pure. Now you can ask yourself this question. It doesn't take long to answer it often with the thoughts that are in our life, thoughts that are, that are anger towards others, um, jealousy towards others, envy towards others, right? Just being sometimes downright mad at other folks, right? Is this a pure thought? Just ask yourself that question. Is this a pure thought? Think about the gossip that would go away. <laughs> Think about the struggle that would go away. Think about the way that you would deal with issues and conflicts within family, within your organization, within your business. Think about the way that we would deal with things. Is this a good thought? Is this a pure thought? And pure literally means like no filth, right? One that honors God. No sin, no thought, no attitude, no action that's not pleasing to God. Is this pure? And asking yourself inside your brain, is this a pure thought? A quick yes or no will probably come to the surface. And if you're struggling with it, I think, like I mentioned earlier, we need counsel on that. Is this a pure thought? And if not, it's time to deal with it. And the final one is admirable. Is it worthy of your admiration? Is it worthy? of your admiration. If you find that it's not worthy of your admiration, then it is not worthy of your time. If it's not worthy of your admiration, it is not worthy of your time. And when I say time, I mean your brain's time. I mean you're thinking on. I mean like you're mulling over and you're just reflecting and you just can't get rid of this thought. It's time to do away with that thought. And we only do away with that thought by actually adding to it. And I believe Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, if you think on those this week, and I think if you even commit yourself to memorizing that scripture, I don't know if you've ever taken the time to like memorize a verse or a couple of verses of the Bible. If you say, man, this, this is something I'm really struggling over. This is something I've really had a tough time dealing with. Memorize these two verses. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 can be powerful for setting you free. Whatever is true, Think on those things. Whatever is pure, think on those things. And whatever is admirable, think on it. So what's the reward? As you reflect on that question this morning, like what's the reward for good thinking? What's the cost for this 
in our lives. We know the cost. If we think about the cost, well, the cost of improper thinking leads us down a dark, dark road, right? If we're thinking about the things that are dark, the things that are twisted, the things that are confused, the dream that you had, and you just can't get out of it, it leads us to a bad place, right? Even the thoughts of anger in our life. One of the things that I've thought of recently, Jesus said this, you have heard that it was said. Jesus in the in the uh, and the New Testament quoted the Old Testament, some of the Old Testament scriptures. He says, hey, you've heard that it was said, don't murder. Well, and his listeners would have said, yes, we know that law, one of the Ten Commandments. But Jesus goes deeper into that. You know what he says? Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, do not murder. But you know what I tell you? If you have anger in your heart, you are likewise guilty. Like even just the thoughts of being angry, the internal thoughts, if not dealt with, where does it lead? You're like, man, I get angry, but I've never killed anyone. Well, Jesus was setting a record straight, not saying that those crimes or those sins were the same, but Jesus said the heart of the problem is the same. Someone that's committed murder has acted wrongly on their thoughts of anger. And what Jesus was saying, that if you have anger in your heart and it is not appropriate, then it is wrong too. It leads us to a dark, deep road that's hard if we don't deal with this. But what's the opposite? We know the cost of it. The cost of not dealing with those thoughts is hard. But what's the reward? The reward is actually found in verse 9. If we can just put that on the screen one last time. Look at the reward. Look at the end. Philippians 4.9. And the God of peace will be with you. The reward for thinking on these things is the presence of God. When Josiah came down and told me the dream, he wasn't necessarily feeling the presence and the peace of God. What he was feeling was fear and worry and anxiety and strife and maybe even guilt over that dream, right? No, no, no. The reward, if you're listening and you take these steps this week, the reward for thinking, the proper thinking, for replacing those thoughts, for pursuing God and replacing those thoughts is that the God of peace will be with you. His presence is with you. Now, this is not to say that God is not with you when you're thinking about something that is not true. That's not saying that, okay? Because God is with us, but we don't sense the presence of God, especially if someone has faith in God. We believe that the Holy Spirit is with us. Even coming up on Christmas, one of the words that you often hear talked about uh, in the month of December, we don't talk about in the other 11 months as much, uh, is Emmanuel, which in translation means God with us. His presence is here. And one of my verses I love to reflect on and think is James chapter 4, verse 8, that says, when you draw near to God. He will draw near to you. God is present. But I'm telling you, when the thought life is bad, or when you're acting upon that anger, or when you're filling the blank, you don't feel the presence of God. Like you feel like you distance yourself from Him. But this says, when you have the proper thought life, the God of peace will be with you. So what's the reward? Is the presence and the peace of God. So many of you struggling with the thoughts that you're dealing with in your life. You're probably thinking, man, it would be nice to do away with these thoughts and <laughs> to just feel like I have and own the presence of God. You can and you will today. Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9, as you think and as you reflect and even as you memorize these verses, I would challenge you to. The peace of God will be with you. 
as you take actions on that, I have a few questions and reflection questions I want to share with you. Hope that you'll write these down. Maybe do um, what I've even done a few of these weeks is kind of take a screenshot as you're watching on to really reflect and think on these questions. And I've heard from so many of you, not only our groups use these questions at Encounter Church as they connect midweek, both online and in the presence of one another, but I've heard from folks that engage these questions over Sunday lunch, some families that talk about these questions, and uh, a mom and a daughter use these questions to connect. I hope that you'll take these questions and take steps this week um, as you reflect. Question number one is this. Question number one is, what are the common thoughts that we recognize as lies, yet we still find how easy it is to believe them? They're in your life, right? What are those common thoughts that we recognize as lies? You know it's a lie, but you find how easy it is to believe them. I, I ask you to write those down. Write those down. Take some time to say, man, I have to deal with these. And if you can't deal with them yourself, ask for counsel. Ask for help. A family member, a friend, encounter church. Ask for help. Question number two is, which is more difficult for you? Correcting your wrong thoughts or replacing those thoughts with the right ones? Man, some of you would say, I, I, can, I can correct the wrong thoughts. I can recognize it as, as not good, but it's hard for me to actually take that step and to replace it. Others would say, man, I, I just try to ignore it. Like, I just try to not deal with it and focus on the things that are right. Question number three is, what step or habit can you take this week in order to foster a thought life that honors God? See, what this isn't is just not about helping you think the right way. This is helping you pursue and know a God who loves you. Because it's hard. It's hard when our mind is in the wrong place, when our thought life is going in the wrong direction. It sure is hard to pursue and know God. But when our thoughts are in the right place, it changes everything. The truth will set us free. It allows us to go into a new space in our heart and a new space in our head and be healthy. What habit can you start? What step can you take to foster a thought life that honors God? As mentioned just earlier, you can start by memorizing those two verses that we've shared today. Because I do believe if you think on what is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, that the peace of God will be with you.